Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the audience know what we have in store today? Adam, we have with us Blake Holmes. Welcome back, Blake. It's good to be here, man. He is our campus pastor, developer of many programs and initiatives around here. But more importantly to me now, he is the father of my daughter's uh, roommate. Did I say that right? Yeah. There was a, just an unfortunate pause. Yeah. He's that's the father it. of my daughter. Yeah, I've never like, I've said that before. This got uncomfortable so, so right from the very beginning. So this guy's done a lot of good stuff, but he raised an amazing daughter that is now my daughter's roommate in college that we that's just right. dropped off like days ago. War Eagle. <laughs> How are you doing today, man? Well, <clears throat> since she might listen to this, I'm doing great, John. I'm doing great. There you go. There you go. I'm thinking ibuprofen does not take care of this pain. Uh, really? Yeah. That bad. <laughs> Dropping my first off in college. That is, uh, it's quite an experience. Okay. All right. Yes. Well, it's not the topic we're going to cover today. Not at all. But yet. But just two old men reminiscing and uh, yes. Yeah, to so um, today's topic is candor. Yeah. And so. I, it's kind I mean, of an old word. You think? Candor. It feels like something my grandmother would say. Like, it's like, the right word. It's but like it's, butterscotch candy or yeah, something. Yeah, like it goes with Werther's. Butterscotch candy. <laughs> Candor okay. and Werther's. They go hand in hand. You know what? That's a great observation. That's in every grandmother's home. Yeah. 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 yeah that's their candy on totally. the coffee table. Totally. Yeah. Totally. The sun is set. It day's over. Um, rum raisin ice cream. You could put that in there as Golly, well. Golly, that's so go. terrible. Uh, the only place, if you go to Bluebell and you go take a factory tour, the only place they sell rum raisin is in Florida. Uh, really? Just, just so you know. When it make, Down there it with Seinfeld's sense. parents. That's it. Yeah. Uh, so candor. Are we off track? We, a little bit. We started off track. But uh, we're talking about candor today, and Blake was the obvious choice for <laughs> our guest. There was there was no close uh, second. And uh, so we'll get into maybe why uh, at times. But Blake, I thought we could start with a, a story you shared with me years ago. You talked about going to the hospital with your brother and watching him kind of do his rounds and communicate. And it was on the topic of candor. Do you mind kind of starting there? Sure. I, you know, this experience just had a profound impact on me. My brother's an oncologist, and so obviously he's dealing with the most sick of people in the hospital. And I just got to observe him, and uh, he's several years older than I am, and I thought it would just be fun to go and learn kind of what he does, what his day-to-day is like. And um, there was one particular patient that um, unfortunately was not well, and I remember how candid my brother was with this patient. And it was not a great prognosis. And when we walked out of the room, I just looked at my brother and I was like, man, like you didn't pull any punches. Like he didn't soften it, you know, and it, he was just so direct and just kind of took me off, took me off guard. Yeah. And um, he looked at me and he just said, Blake, that's my job. They deserve to know the whole truth. Yeah. They need to know um, what their prognosis is, what our course of treatment is. And hey, you know, my, their trust in me is um, paramount to their care. They need to know that they're going to hear the truth from me. And, um, and so, no, I don't pull any punches. I tell them, I tell them the truth. And it was really, I don't know, it's kind of a simple story, but it was, it had a profound impact on me that um, I think there's times really we pull our punches when we need to be more candid. Yeah. And um, I think of the proverb, you know, in Proverbs 27, right? Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. And um, that doesn't apply necessarily to a hospital room. But there's just times when, um, you know, I think Scripture calls us to be very candid with people 
and express to them the reality of the situation. Yeah, I've heard that before. I think maybe from John Maxwell or somebody along the way that just would talk about a leader's number one job is to define reality. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times before you you move people to the next destination, move them to the promised land, you got to let them know where you are right now is not good. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think it's an essential aspect of leadership. Just somebody who is was relatively new to the Dallas area, new to this culture when I moved here 17 years ago, that was one of the distinguishing characteristics that I saw of Watermark. These guys talk different than any other group I've ever been around. And and what was it? It wasn't just the way they we preached or lingo or Christianese that we used. I mean, every organization has some of that. But it was really like this is the most candid group of people I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. They're telling me things I've never heard before. And it's not, uh, it's not crazy. It's, it's, I think they're right. And why has nobody ever spoken this clear and this direct with me? And I have grown over the years personally, just to realize this is one of the most important skills that I think a leader has. Mm. Cause if we are to define reality for people, so it's great when reality is, Hey, you're doing awesome. We want to give you a promotion or, Hey, you're doing amazing. We want to give you another leadership opportunity. But that's like the other 99% of the conversations we have as leaders are often, Hey, where you are right now is not good. And I want to be clear with you like your brother was mm-hmm. so that you have all the information you need to know how to move forward. So, John, what are some other things that you would say as to why this is such an important topic for leaders? Man, that's really good. I think I think Blake's, um, you know, Blake's story is a great way to open. Open. We're not normally dealing with cancer. Um, yeah. But we're dealing with issues and either if it's a person uh, that impact their life and everybody they touch or an organization and everyone that they come in contact with. And so we just owe it uh, to those who we lead or we follow that we're in life and community with um, just to be candid. And I think that really is part of God's uh, role for each of us to play, you know, uh, in, in each other's life. So in marriage, you know, the, the adage is that when you're given a spouse, you're given a full length marriage, it says, you know, with a little tag attached to it, it says, here's to helping you really understand who you really who are. Who you really are. Yeah. All right. So John, it's funny, even you and I were texting last night about this, this episode and what we were going to be talking about. And uh, I've recorded some quotes that you said, because I think it was something along the lines of like, why are we going to talk about candor? And this is one quote, churches aren't known for being candid. And I think I wrote back to you and I was like, what are you talking about? They, you know, churches yell and scream at people all the time when we preach, that's what we do. We're trying to define reality and tell people they're going to hell. That's a rather candid conversation that we're having with people. And you had a really good insight. You said yelling at somebody from behind a pulpit is different than having a difficult conversation over coffee. And I think I I resonated with that. I was like, you're exactly right. It's way easier in a one-to-many setting to be candid and tell people hard, hard information. It's really difficult when you're looking at somebody and it's a conversation. So, um, Set this up a little bit more. Why do you think this is so difficult for leaders and why is it so important? Yeah, I, good, goodness. I mean, there's, for every um, leader, it's gonna, there's going to be a different reason. I, I do think as Christians, like we're just so programmed to be nice. Yeah. Uh, we we think nice equals love. Yeah. It was the, one of the last things Jesus told his disciples. It's the thing that's going to mark us. And so we have to do that. We have to be loving. And then we translate that as nice. And I think back back to your opening illustration, I, I think the most loving thing to do uh, was to tell someone, you have got cancer um, and you may or may not make it. And this is what we're going to do about it. Um, and you could walk in and go, you know what, guy, you're such a great person and uh, you seem to be really healthy. We're just going to see how that goes. That is not helpful. It's not and helpful. it's not loving. It's nice, but it's not loving. And so I think I think it's a big part of it is we've just, uh, we don't understand, you know, kind of in Ephesians 4, uh, 15, that we can actually speak the truth and we can do so in a loving, loving way. Uh, loving way, yeah. yeah. And so I think, I think that's, there's probably a whole uh, bunch of reasons, but I think that's a big one uh, for 
Christians. Yeah. So, uh, Blake, I've, I've seen this in my own life that uh, admonishment, you know, obviously in Colossians 3, Paul encourages us to admonish one another, to teach and to admonish. And so admonishment is one of those gifts that everybody needs, but nobody wants. Mm-hmm. So why, why do it? So it's hard for leaders to speak candidly. And we'll talk about that. We've got, I think some really good best practices and some things that we've observed from this culture that I think will be helpful. But why is it that sometimes, even though we know we need candid conversations, we don't want them? Why, why do you think that is? Well, I think in our core, we're insecure. Yeah. Right. Um, all of us are. And, um, oftentimes you may not be able to see it right now, but there's a big old P right underneath the shirt across blazing across my chest that stands for pride. Hmm. And, uh, Superman has his S and Blake has his P mm-hmm. and his pride. And so, um, you know, we, we're insecure. And when I'm candid with you, I'm a little fearful that therefore you're not going to like me. You're not going to receive it well. Yeah. Um, and because I want you to like me and, um, or uh, I'm resistant to your candid feedback because of my pride. Yeah. And so um, I don't want to give it and nor do I want to receive it. Yeah. So, but that's completely unbiblical. I think this topic is so huge because I don't know how you could shepherd someone effectively, biblically. Yeah. Without being candid. There you go. I mean, that there's a balance between, you see it always in scripture between grace and truth, grace and truth. In fact, you know, you were talking about what does it mean to love somebody earlier? Well, look at first Corinthians 13. The passage is always so familiar to us. Love rejoices in the truth. Mm-hmm. It's the loving mm-hmm. thing to do. Look, um, you know, kind of use another illustration. It's not cancer, but if my friend is an alcoholic, it is not loving for me to just ignore it or enable or look the other way. I need to help him. He needs help. And so the most loving thing you do is, what do you do? You have an intervention. You intervene to help him recognize him. And you have a problem. And I'm just, I'm not mad at you, but you have a problem so that he can recognize that, begin to deal with it. That's, that's I think, um, you know, the way in which God calls us to shepherd people. There's a question that Jesus asks. In fact, it's always, it was the one that, uh, you know, when you're younger and you're reading about somebody who's sick and Jesus comes along and he goes, hey, do you want to get well? <laughs> you know, you're like, that's the dumbest question ever. Of course they want to get well. Right. But I think what Jesus was doing is he was forcing the man to recognize, hey, um, where does health come from? Where does life come from? You need to acknowledge that you have a problem and that I'm the answer to your problem. And he was very candid with him. Hey, yeah. find life in me. Acknowledge, that, you know, just like he said, start the Sermon on the Mount. You're poor in spirit, right? Mm. That life is found in me. And so... Uh, this this topic is so crucial as we think about how we're going to shepherd the flock amongst us. So, Blake, we uh, you lead our residency program. And so right now we've got 38 residents and fellows that are here. And one of the things that's universal at the end, come, come about May when they're done, is all of them will say, I, I learned some Bible. Uh, it was really great to be on the inside of a healthy church. And I learned some leadership skills and you know, a bunch of great information. One of the greatest gifts about being here at Watermark was people told me the truth about me and like no one else had. And I feel really well set up now for this next season of ministry. So how, how do you coach that? What do you tell the directors that work with your residents? Um, you know, uh, those that do it well, how, how do they, how do they do that? Uh, how do you think about that as someone who's, you know, responsible for those 38 people? That's a great question. I hope that's true. I hope everybody graduates from our program and that's how they feel. I th- think we have gotten that feedback. 
um, after those 10 months with us, I think they're convinced we really do love them. And our motive is not just to, to be punitive, right? But I do think the depth of relationship and trust. Um, and then we take risks, if I may, you know, even from the very beginning of just like um, helping people see how they can take ground. It, again, it's just not loving to let someone continue to be habitually late and not say something when everybody's willing to say it behind their back somewhere else. So we just lovingly go to somebody and go, hey, man, I just I love you enough to tell you that you're the one who's consistently late. I don't think that's what you the reputation you want to create for yourself. And so I'm love you enough mm-hmm. just to tell you that I think I think it's going to go really far in your leadership if you're the one who's five minutes early and not always the one that everybody's waiting on. Because uh, it communicates something I don't think you intend. So I tell you that because I love you. So it's something as small as that. But what it also does when you have a culture where people are candid and with one another, people aren't guessing. Hey, where do I stand? What do you think? Because they're like, oh, man, somebody would tell me. Around here, somebody's going to tell me. Yeah. And so um, that's a real loving. That, that creates a safe environment. Really, so I love it. So we're talking about kind of culture uh, now and and being candid. Uh, Adam, examples for you uh, that you look to, like these are really healthy cultures that are candid. Yeah, I mean, I think in some of the reading that I've done, probably one of the more classic examples uh, or more famous is with Pixar. So Ed Catmull, who's the founder and CEO of Pixar and his book, Creativity Inc., he tells the story about this brain trust. And I just remember, uh, so Pixar has this brain trust. It's all these trusted advisors. They show every film at multiple times that they're working on. They show it to this brain trust to get candid feedback. And what was so encouraging to me as I read that story and I've heard him talk about that story is he's, he made some line that every Pixar movie starts off as an ugly baby. And the directors and producers think that every film is amazing with the first draft, just like a lot of ministry leaders do. You know, I, we think the first draft of our sermons or the first draft of our ministry strategy, the first draft of everything we Great think analogy. is amazing. And then they show it to people and and he, he just says that it depends like that brain trust depends completely on candid feedback. And so you've got to be in there and you can't just go, yeah, the animation's amazing. And, and that story. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty good. They're brutal. And that's why Pixar has such a run of success. And so that's just, uh, you know, not only uh, everything we've been saying about a uh, this is a way to show love is to speak candidly, uh, which is so f- from a shepherding perspective as leaders, there's really no option. We have to be able to do this. From also a ministry leader perspective, this is the best way to achieve excellence Mm -hmm. is to not, if a program that you run is not good, don't tell people it's just fine, right? If it's not good, tell people what's wrong with it and what needs to be fixed. And I, I think for leaders... How to engage in these conversations, which we're going to get into here in a second, is is a big challenge. I think most people are probably nodding their heads going, yeah, I, I want to do that. I mm-hmm. see programs mm-hmm. all around my mm-hmm. church right now that I, I, I think I've got feedback that's helpful. I see people that are, Blake, to your example, they're five minutes late and I think it really hurts them. Mm-hmm. Or they're always short in meetings or they're moody or whatever it is. And that's, that's the work of a leader. We've got to be able to do this and engage in these conversations. There's but, no question. Yeah. So it's both true individually. It's also true culturally yeah. within a company. Uh, we were just talking about this in staff prayer, right? We, we had now a few dozen new fellows and residents join our program. They came uh, to staff meeting just yesterday. And what was Todd saying? He was saying, hey, listen, you guys are our eyes and you see things, frankly, because you're new and yeah. you're so valuable to us right now because we don't see it right now. We've been here for a long time and you can help us kind of get downwind of ourselves." 
be candid with us and help us to see the things we don't see because we always want to put ourselves in the shoes of those who are walking in who don't know us <clears throat> and um, and help us to see what we don't see. He, in fact, he was talking about a, one CEO of a company who just sent out an email and the email read, be harsh in the interest of being excellent. I thought that was a great line. Yeah. Um, again, it's not for to be punitive or a critical uh, um, unnecessarily, but it is a way just to say, Hey, I think we can get better. Right. And I'm going to be the first to tell you there are many ways we can improve and get better. Yeah. And so um, that just, helps your whole organization, church, team, yep. whatever the context okay. is. I think we got everybody nodding, nodding their heads in agreement now and just going, Adam, how? How do we do this? How? Please, I, I want to do this. I'm ready. I've got the email started, right, that I'm going to send to somebody. <laughs> about to hit blast. About to hit blast. Uh, and we don't want you to go back to your office and slay every dragon now or go back into your, your organization and try to do that. So here's some things. I, I think... In my observation of this culture, candidly, my observation of you guys and how you guys have done this, you two are both fantastic at, at doing this. And I know that it didn't happen overnight. So I've put together what I think are just kind of some five best practices that I thought we could use to talk about with this that have been helpful for me as somebody who does not like to have candid conversations. I'm a harmonizer. I like everybody to be happy. So I feel like this is an area, if I can grow in this area, then I really believe anybody can grow in this well, area. Well, let me stop you. Uh, Blake and I actually looked at your outline and we hated it. <laughs> We thought it was completely ineffective. Yes. No, you didn't. You're going to love it. Here we go. You ready? (laughs) All right. So the very first thing, very first thing has been so helpful for me when you're going to enter into a candid conversation, a conversation with somebody is this, assume you don't know all the facts, assume you don't know all the facts. So Blake, what, what, what kind of posture would that create in somebody? If you assume you don't know all the facts. Okay. This is so good. And Braun Brown, who's on leadership here with, on our team, helped me in thinking about how to enter into a candid conversation in exactly what you're talking about. And his words were to me, he said, Hey Blake, um, it would be helpful if you were to ask for permission Mm -hmm. or offer some, a qualifying statement such as, Hey Adam, Hey, I could be wrong, but I want to just share with you an observation I made. And again, I could be wrong, but here's what I want to share with you. Yes. Do you mind if I share it with you? When you ask for permission as subtle as that may seem, um, it, again, it, it takes, I think it's a way in which we clothe ourselves in humility because we don't have all the information. It could just simply be an observation I made and I could be totally wrong, but in the interest of helping you, loving you, I think when we take that posture of humility, we ask for permission and we offer a qualifying statement like, hey, I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, I think that's really, really helpful and it's served me well. Yeah. So I'll tell you, I looked at your uh, outline, Adam, and I, it is good, by the way. Um, I think it is very helpful. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but it was, of, of all the points that were on here, the one this was the one that stood out be, because I remember sometimes um, being the recipient of candor um, when someone didn't have all the facts. Yeah. And so uh, they just kind of fired off and didn't really know. And I, man, I was amazing. I thought back to a couple of those situations on this list and go, that really, really frustrated me. Yes. Which is to say, I'm positive I've done that to others. And <laughs> yeah. uh, if that's the way that feels to be on the other end of that, oh, that's terrible. Uh, and just, just to walk in with the posture, I could be wrong. So I'm not going to load the gun and just go in there and, and fire. And uh, I'm going to make sure that we, what I think uh, I want to speak to is actually a thing. I, I think it's just such a great first step. And I think co- commonly what we'll say is we, we need to learn how to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I think 
rather than giving people the benefit of the doubt, because they maybe don't deserve the benefit of the doubt yet, the better thing to do is to just go in and go, I'm just going to assume I don't know. There was a behavior, my expectations Mm -hmm. in reality, there's a gap. I'm going to go fill in that gap. I'm going to just assume I don't know. And so rather than coming out with an accusation, I'm going to go in and just say, Hey, what was going on there? Right? Like, I, I don't know what was going on. I want to give you a chance to speak into it. And, uh, and, yeah, that, and I think it's true. And there's, uh, we could sit here and belabor this one point for a long time. There are some times for a leader to just go, I, I saw this, this is what I saw. And regardless of how we got there, what was going on, that's just uh, not going to be tolerated. Yeah. You it, can't yell like that. Yeah. You can't raise your voice at those people. Absolutely. Yeah, but, uh, there are certain things that are just black and white. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, okay. So the first one was assume you don't know all the facts. That's a, that helps get, bring about that posture of humility. It motivates you to be curious to now go in and go into that conversation, seeking to understand, not coming, uh, seeking to, uh, to make your case. So the second best practice is this, when you're engaging that conversation, share your experience and your observations. And what I like about this is this separates impact from intent. And a lot of times, and I had a conversation today with, uh, with a friend who was doing this, where, uh, he was having some observations about another person. And he said, and I think this person, and I think this person, and I think this person, and it was, I think I know what their intent is. And I, and he said, so how should I engage in this conversation? I was like, well, lucky for you. <laughs> I've been getting ready for this. Okay. No, I've been thinking a lot about this lately. Cause I just think this is such a big deal for leaders. And so I told him this exact thing. I said, you need to be able to separate your impact from your intent. Go in and share your experience of how this person's behavior has been impacting you. Then ask them a question to say, is this your intended result of your behavior? Because if you go in making an accusation of intent, guess what you're going to do? You're going to put them on the defensive mm-hmm. and nobody wants to be put on the defensive. If you put somebody on the defensive, crazy is going to show up. And now we're not having a logical conversation. Now somebody's just going to be defending. And I think we've all been a part of those conversations. So if you go in not declaring intent, just going, hey, in that meeting the other day, um, it just seemed like you were really aloof. And it seems like you really weren't interested in listening to everybody. I didn't feel like you were interested in listening to me. Um, That's frustrating me. And it seems like you're not taking my opinion into account right now when I thought this was going to be a team effort. I just want to let you know that's how that's impacting me. Can you help me understand what was going on? I bet you didn't assume to do that. Can you help me understand a little bit more? Yeah, the simple way of saying that is right. Just don't ascribe motive. You don't know motive. You know, Proverbs says, through presumption comes nothing but strife. Mm. And I, I can... I was thinking about a meeting uh, I had this morning, um, just kind of had several heavy conversations as of late. And uh, I walked in this meeting just going, man, there's a little bit of me wrestling if I should even cancel this meeting or not. And um, because my heart's just been heavy, right? And uh, I was recognizing, I imagine the people in this meeting right now can sense that I'm a little more reserved right now. And I certainly don't want to communicate to them. I'm not interested. And I certainly don't want to communicate to them. I don't care. Um, it's just that my mind and my heart are heavy right now about some other matters. Yeah. And so, you know, if they were to come to me later on, Hey, you didn't seem to be as excited about this. You know, I, I, I would understand why they got there, but it wasn't because really even what we were talking about is because, you know, my mind was preoccupied. And so I think that's, just an easy example of we've all found ourselves there before. And so we want to assume the best and not ascribe motive. Yeah. I was thrilled about what we were talking about. And I knew I needed to be in that meeting, yeah. but it does give people a chance to go, Hey, Adam. Oh no, 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 no. I just, man, let me just tell you, this is what's going on right now. It's I'm preoccupied thinking about it. It's not that I don't care about 
what um, you wanted to talk about. And, and it's like, oh, okay. That, that provides, then, provides yeah, that information usually helps. Yeah. yeah. And I think we can, we can keep moving Adam, but I think, um, another, just a sub point of this is to make sure you give specifics and the example yeah. you gave, you gave specifics. Yeah. So just to tell someone, Hey, they talk too much or they're prideful. They kind of can't do anything with it. And they also yeah. don't have anything to react to or change. And so when you do, you know, when you are candid with someone, it's really, really helpful if you can pull up some specific examples uh, and talk about those um, as illustrative of the thing that you're trying to address. Yeah. I, I had this this weekend where I had the opportunity to teach here at the Dallas campus. We have a Saturday night service and then we do two services on Sunday. So after the Saturday night service, a trusted friend of mine sent me an email with some feedback and and he nailed it. I mean, it was really, it was candid. He did not pull punches he told me exactly what what his experience was sitting there in the audience. And the way he did that by sharing his experience and observations, and he said, to me, it seemed like your energy was lacking. It seemed like you really weren't believing what you were saying, especially in point two. I know you, and I've seen your energy before, and that seemed different than mm-hmm. what I've seen in the past. How can I argue with his experience? Like he, he nailed that. He did that perfectly. He was saying something very candid, but he wasn't, he didn't come out going, you weren't excited about the text, right? Because if that was the case, that's going to put me on the defensive. Uh, that's going to put me on my heels. He just came, shared his experience, shared his observations, assumed he didn't know all the facts and just goes, that's my, that's my thought. It, you know, here, do with that what you want. But that, that was what I perceived in that. And he was exactly right. And that was the, ex- that was the right way to be able to do that. And, um, and so another way to say that is like just perception checking. You have perceptions, just go check them. You're, you're not always right. Proverbs says the wise make knowledge acceptable. There you How go. you say it matters. There you go. Okay. So assume you don't know all the facts, share your experience and observations. The third one is this is uh, simple. This is not going to blow anybody's mind, but we need to be reminded. You, we've got to be thoughtful about timing and location of candid conversations. So what's the old adage? Uh, that you uh, praise in public and you critique in private, right? Which is which is another way of saying you gotta you gotta really think about where and when uh, you're having some of these candid conversations. Yeah, uh, the first thing that came to mind was is marriage and the way my wife went, and not just the way, but when my wife will uh, uh, give me feedback and candor. And the old adage is uh, is halt, uh, never, yeah. never, you know, have any of those kind of conversations when you're hungry, angry, late, lost, uh, or tired. And um, and so she does a great job of just picking her timing, you know, waiting for her pitch. And this is a good time. John probably be open to it right now. And so now I'm going to tell him, you know, uh, how, what he said made me feel or those kind of things. And so, uh, there's a gift in marriage and all relationships are, uh, the same information at a different time at a different setting, uh, can be received radically different. Do you know what the studies would say is the best time of day to try to have some of those harder conversations? Can't wait. Do you have a guess? Uh, I'd guess morning after your first cup of coffee. Yeah. First yeah. thing in the morning. Yeah. Early, earlier in the morning or late, like right at the end of the afternoon, um, right before they're about to go home. It's like every, every day goes through a peak trough and a rebound. And so, uh, I think the studies have shown that the universal like worst minute of the day is something like two fifty five PM. And so do, do not schedule hard conversations at 3 PM. That is the worst time to do that. You don't do that before lunch, right? That's not the time yeah. to have hard conversations. Even if you're having uh, let's say now for bosses out there, you're having an employment conversation, uh, probably if you need to let somebody go, you know, they would say, don't do that on a Friday because Yes, they need to be let go and you need to be candid with them. But Friday is bad because they go into the weekend and they can't do anything all weekend. So a thoughtful way to do that, do that on a Monday. So then they at least have all week to be able to start 
getting red resumes together and all that kind of stuff. So just, just little things like that. They're just trying to take timing into some of that that can be, that can be helpful. I think the biggest challenge for us nowadays is electronic versus face to face. Totally. Right. Have you guys, have you guys seen that play out? Every day (laughs) (laughs) we we get so many emails and uh, I'm a, I mean, I'm the violator of as well, you know, I'll throw out a, dozens of emails. And, and so, and that could just be so easily misunderstood, right? Right. The context is missing. The tone is missing. Um, you know, I'm trying to be efficient. And so I fire back a one word answer. And of course it would have been better had I just picked up the phone or even better just had I gotten up and walked to your office and say, Hey Adam, do you mind if I share this with you yeah. real quick? And so email is just so easily misunderstood and, yeah. and text as well. Yeah. Not, not good at all. Those are great for facts, not good for emotion. All right. Fourth one is this, is to uh, over-communicate intent. And uh, this has been really interesting and something that I found to be very helpful is that most people, like when we're having one-on-one conversations, it's just kind of human nature. We're always searching for intent. What is this person's intent right now? Are they for me or are they not for me? Are they against me? Do I feel like this is a friend coming to me or is this an enemy kind of coming to me? And so we've probably all heard that thing about the Oreo cookie approach to hard conversations, which is say a compliment and then give the hard advice and then another compliment. So Mm -hmm. Blake, I like your shirt. Uh, By the way, your breath stinks, but man, that shirt looks good. I mean, and I think we all know like, okay, yeah, I get it, but that's really cheesy. And I think the better way of thinking about that is to start a hard conversation reminding the person of your intent. Hey, I'm for you. I, I, I love working with you. We are a team. Uh, I believe in you. I, I feel like I've been developing, you know, I've had an honor to, to, to speak into your life and develop you and you, you've spoken into my life. So my intent, I want to share some information with you that may be a little hard, but my intent is that I care. That's the better part of the Oreo cookie rather than just your shirt looks nice or that email you worded it well, then share the hard information and then come back and, uh, and, and again, my intent is not to make you feel bad. As you've already said many times, Blake, it's not punitive. I'm not trying to, yeah. I'm not trying to punish you right now. I'm just trying to help. These are some things I've seen. I love it. Um, yeah, I don't know that there's anything uh, to add to that, but I was thinking uh, this is probably going to bleed into the next point that, that comes with trust. Yeah. You know, the more, the more I trust you. I mean, Blake, you and I have sparred like a million times over the years, you know, and, uh, I mean, you're as candid with me as any other human being other than my wife, uh, you know, <laughs> tr- probably maybe Todd, I don't know. Um, and, and yet I, I just know, like, if you say, Hey John, there's something I want to share with you. Like I, I believe you, your intent, uh, is to preserve the relationship or help me get better. Or like, so here's, this is really funny, Adam. Um, uh, I'd came to Blake with something, uh, last week and, and he was great the way he handled it. And he goes, Hey, while you're here, I've got something for you. And he said, <laughs> um, thanks. Uh, this is about you, not me. And, uh, but he goes, when you transitioned that last podcast you did with, um, with Adam, he said, every single time you transitioned, you go, uh, love it. Love it. Love it. And he goes, it was kind of annoying. Like the fifth time I'd heard that right in a row at, you know, two and a half speed. And so, uh, just, you know, just wanted you to know. And, and he wasn't like, he wasn't angry about it. He was blunt and clear, like incredibly so. And, uh, and I, man, I know Blake and uh, yeah. he had no, it was not a, let me take a, uh, a swing back at you because you said something to me. Uh, Blake is for me. His intent has always been good. And I left going, you know, that's good feedback. I don't, I don't know that it'll, change or that I can, but that is helpful to know. Um, and you carry, like, you didn't have to say that. You didn't have to take the time to, to say that, but because the, there was good intent there, uh, it's just really, really easy uh, to receive. That was so, it was just, a, it was a non-issue and I was actually grateful. You know, going back to culture, I just think one of the things I appreciate about working on the staff, it, 
we coach each other. Mm-hmm. We really do. Um, Adam, you gave a great example of after you give a message, you have to have thick skin to work here. Totally. And, but I, I, I operate with a position of trust. I believe that you're for me when you give me feedback. You only want to make this better. And so um, that's what a good coach does. Yeah. You know, it, a good coach helps you to see the things that you can't see on your own. Yeah. You know, you're playing golf, right? You can't see what is wrong with your swing. But mm-hmm. a coach can say, hey, mm-hmm. let me tell you what you're doing. You're lifting your left foot. If you put your left foot down, then guess what? You're going to hit the ball straight. Yeah. And when we apply that, we're coachable and we get better. And so um, I believe, totally believe that John wants to um, lead more effectively, communicate more clearly. And um, and so I share that with him because I love him and we're on mission together. And I know that he would do the same for me. So there is candidness in our competencies and how we are doing, maybe in a skill set. And then there's a candidness also and just issues of the heart. Yeah. Right. And so we're really talking about both. And, um, but Adam, going back to your point on intent, I do think in either context, it's really, really important that they do understand that we're operating from a position of uh, love and concern, uh, both for the person and for the mission. Yep. And which goes into that last point on building trust. And so uh, I, I think it's really good for us as leaders to remember that the the less trust I think is present in the relationship, which would probably correlate with how new the relationship is, the more careful you need to be with your packaging mm-hmm. and declaring your intent in the beginning. So Blake just has this new uh, residency or institute class. So the very first conversation he's going to have with a lot of these people, he's going to have to be a little bit more thoughtful than in May. And just like when you guys first met however many years ago at Canacuck and Blake brought the stack of books because he thought he was going to read true them story. all. Remember that story? <laughs> Such so, a true story. I mean, if you would have told him, been as blunt and as candid with Absolutely. him then, because there just wasn't trust there. And so, again, this kind of all comes full circle. Which is not the same as time. You can have you can be your friend for a really long time and That's have right. like zero trust. Yes. Mm-hmm. But all of these things that I hope is just one of the themes we talk about on this on this leadership podcast so often on the importance of relationships and the people that you're working with. All of those little things matter, like all the little bits of time matter. So when you're going to the lunches, when you're watching games together, when you're talking around the, around the water cooler, getting time together is building that trust. And then the, as that book, the title is so great, The Speed of Trust, things move faster when there's more trust. And and candid, you can be more candid quicker. You don't have to focus so much on packaging when there's a lot of trust there. And so building trust can really help those conversations. Well, this is another topic for another podcast, but the reality did is- you, you used to invite yourself back? Yes, yeah, I did. did. Did you see how I, I did saw, that? I saw what you did. <laughs> but the reality is, is that many guys in ministry, they are going from one position to another or from one church to another. They don't have that depth of relationship that you're talking about. There you go. And one of the things that I pray that God continues to do in this place is allow- Many of us continue to lock arms and do ministry together because you're talking about <laughs> years of ministry and friendship with one another. Yeah, um, locking arms with one another, and that does create, a, and it makes it much easier for me to walk into John's office or for him to walk into mine. So um, that's uh, that longevity 
um, helps to create that kind Absolutely. of trust. Yeah. So this is something that we can't ignore as leaders and just some observations I've had about this culture watching you two uh, and others around here is just assume you don't have all the facts, creates that, that posture of humility, share your experience, gets you to ask questions and not make declarations of intent be thoughtful about timing and location, over communicate your intent, let people know the reason you're doing this. And, uh, and then all of those trust building activities that those pay off. Those are some best practices that I think help us as leaders. Blake, you got some final thoughts before we close this down? Well, I would just say that I think this is really important and that's, um, that we create, um, an environment where people know we are receptive to their feedback. Mm. Um, we're talking about being candid with other people, but you can't be the guy who's always candid with others. But when someone comes to share something with you, you you're like, well, wait a minute, you can't share that with me. Right. And I just think of, um, what Psalm 141 says, let the righteous smite me in kindness and reprove me. It is oil upon my head. Um, do not let my head refuse it. And so if you want to create a culture where people can be candid with one another and love each other, sharpen one another, iron sharpens one another, all those things that, um, know those verses that we're familiar with, then you need to be the first to receive it. Clothe yourself in humility. And I would tell you, if it's been a while since somebody has shared candid feedback with you, chances are you have not created that culture that communicates to others, hey, I'm teachable, I'm coachable, regardless of your position, regardless of your position. I would encourage you to take a hard look in the mirror if you have not heard candid feedback because it's saying something about your leadership style. Yeah, it could be great. That, that could be the takeaway for leaders yeah. listening to this. Go back to your team meeting and just start start with that conversation. Do you believe we're candid with each other? Are there things we've been thinking about each other, not mean, but things that we've been thinking about each other where we could get better, where we could improve what we're doing, and we haven't said it, and if not, why? And let's start yeah, that conversation. Yeah. Culture is built one conversation at a time. There you go. It is built one conversation at a time. So leader, how you receive it uh, then gives you the right to extend it. And so Todd, like right out of the chute saying to all these, you know, 22 year old kids, Hey, if you see something that, that you don't think is right or doesn't make sense or that we could do better, let us know. And conversely, I'll do the same uh, for you. And so you've just created this culture and it's the leader's job to be candid. It really is. And you think about any great organization um, that you admire, Pixar or churches, uh, they got there because of their candor. Yeah. And I was thinking about uh, Jack Welch, who was the CEO of uh, GE, and he was famous for kind of making these site visits. And he was, he was famous for his candor and his clarity. And he would, you know, he would uh, visit these places and he would tell the manager to their face, you know, here's, I'm sure he, here's some things I was encouraged by. And let me be very, very clear. This is what needs to either improve or change. And then he'd get on the plane and he would write those points down and send them to the manager just to make sure there was, there was mm. no ambiguity or confusion. Like this, this is what is true and this is what needs to change. Uh, let me be incredibly candid uh, to you. And, uh, and it helped the company. Amen. Like they just were, there was a season there uh, where they just took off and there are lots of things that were going on, but at the top and at every level was, was this incredible candor and uh, it's not unloving. It's not unkind. You can be, Blake is, is he's such an anomaly. He's an incredible pastor. If your life blows up and you need someone to weep with you, uh, you want to call Blake, or if you just need someone to walk in the room and say what's true, you can call Blake. And both of those can, can coexist just fine uh, together. They're not mutually exclusive. 
exclusive. And so uh, most of us have a proclivity to one or the other. We probably need to go, um, you know, the other way. If you're really, really nice, you need to, you kind of need to be a little bit more candid. If you're only candid, uh, you need to be a little bit softer. Um, but this is crucial. And uh, this, you, you lean into this and we're sitting here, I think the, so much of the message is between the lines here. It's the relationships we have here yeah. at this table. Uh, it's the ways we've gotten better as a leader. That's that's the message. That's the podcast. Um, but you get that with time and a lot of uh, really, really uh, good thoughtful, candid conversations. There you go. Well, if you have any questions or comments on today's episode or topics you'd like for us to consider for future episodes, please feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. We answer them all, don't we, John? Every single one of them. Every single one of them we answer. Also, if you like what you heard, please rate and review the show. That'll help people find us. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.